You are now listening to the Soul and Wonder podcast, episode 48, Kundalini Yoga with Sierra Hollister. Welcome to the Soul and Wonder podcast, where the conduits of the body, depths of the mind, and atlas of the soul are explored with devotion. Through cultural exchange, Christopher and Sarah and their guests will deliver sacred wisdom from around the globe, uncovering the hidden gems of conscious living and holistic healing all to empower you on your journey of self-discovery. And now, here are your hosts, Christopher and Sarah. Welcome to the Soul and Wonder podcast. We are your hosts, husband and wife, Sarah and Christopher. Oh, you switched it up there a little bit. Yeah, I was getting bored with the same old, same old. We gotta, gotta take them off guard. So what is happening, everybody? I hope everybody is doing fantastic. Hope your 2018 is going awesome so far. I know ours is. It's been a whirlwind. Sure has. You feeling those uh, energetic vibrations? (laughs) Because we sure are. Definitely. Well, today's episode, we have beautiful Sierra Hollister, wonderful kundalini yoga instructor based outside of Asheville, North Carolina. But before... We bring this wonderful episode to you. We want to do what we do, share a lovely love note and give you some updates. I love the love notes. This one is by Arlo7. Everything I've ever wondered about when it comes to lifestyle transitions I want to make, Chris and Sarah cover it on the show, including covering the not-so-easy stuff and working through it. Educational plus excellent quality of guests. I love feeling like we're all in this together beautiful review we absolutely love getting these itunes and podcast reviews you can leave a review through the itunes podcast app or you can do it online as well as leave us a love note on our soul and wonder podcast facebook page or just our business page whatever you please we'll be sure to give you a shout out so as always we have an update we'd like to share with you now So if you followed us from the beginning of Soul and Wonder, you've watched us evolve over the years, but if you remember, we used to offer offer tarot card services on our website. Well, after rebranding in December 2017, we cleaned up our website, leaving the main focus as our Vegan Warrior Total Immersion one-on-one coaching program, and as a result, got rid of offering tarot as a separate service, but instead combined it with the six-month Vegan Warrior program, which also combined Uh, uses health consultations, life coaching, energy healing, and then, of course, tarot. However, lately, the interest in our tarot as a separate service has spiked tremendously, so we've decided to follow the divine flow and offer it back up as an a la carte service once again. So if you're feeling a little indecisive, like many of us are at this point in our lives, or maybe you're blocked in any way or desire clarity on a past, present, or future situation, then the tarot may be the tool you need to give you a little nudge in that right direction. We all need that little nudge. We all need that little nudge. We use tarot very frequently in our lives as well as our business. I love it. And I'll tell you, I was a skeptic at one point, but not anymore. I was a skeptic in the very beginning. This girl's been reading tarot for like, what, eight Eight years years now? now. Mm -hmm. It's pretty awesome. It's changed my life tremendously. So I do it a little bit differently. I combine tarot reading with life and emotional intelligence coaching tactics, and I use the cards to help you explore your consciousness, your intuition, and decision-making to empower you on your spiritual journey. 
And getting a tarot reading by me, whether it's in person, over the phone, or via Skype, will help you navigate the subconscious and metaconscious mind. It'll provide an objective perspective of any given situation, create a sacred space to explore the past, present, and future all at the same time, clarify roadblocks, strengthen your decision-making, validate your intuition, open spiritual doors, and of course provide a space for you to talk openly about where you've been, where you're at, and where you'd like to be. So to find out more on how to get the most out of tarot, as well as how to book an appointment with Sarah, you can visit www.soulinwonder.com slash tarot. And that's a forward slash. And you can also access everything via our Facebook page. If you go on our Facebook business page, Soul in Wonder, you will see on the tabs, book your appointment. You can book it right through there as well. Ooh, easy. All right, Sierra Hollister, beautiful woman. We had such a lovely conversation with her. She is awesome. Very peaceful, tranquil, and connected. You can really feel her personal power. So Sierra is a mother, a runner, devoted yogini, and a happy tree hugger. (laughs) That's why we get along. (laughs) She is incredibly blessed to have started her kundalini journey at Ahimsa Ashram and to study directly with Yogi Bhajan. She has had yoga angels sprinkling lucky yoga dust at her feet since 1990. In addition to Yogi Bhajan, Sierra has been inspired and shaped by the teachings of so many yogis like, but not limited to, Gurmukh Kar, Guru Shabad Singh, David Swenson, Sarah Powers, Sean Korn, and Kartar Singh Khalsa. I hope I didn't butcher that. <laughs> oh, did much better than I could. So she's also on the teaching staff of Warren Wilson College, West Asheville Yoga, and Asheville Yoga Center. Sierra is also a yoga international featured teacher which we have yet to check out we should definitely look her up on yoga international yeah we've uh really dove into kundalini the past two years and we follow a lot of different teachers through gaia tv and Mm -hmm. um, other mediums but yoga international is definitely on the list Absolutely. And so we're going to talk about a lot of juicy things. One of those being the evolution of Sierra's yoga journey from just wanting to get fit to finding herself in an ashram where kundalini was the form of yoga taught there. We're also going to talk about yoga as a lifestyle and path to self-actualization, not just a means of exercise. And of course, we're going to get into kundalini yoga, the ins and outs, the difference between the practice of kundalini yoga compared to other yoga styles and the benefits of kundalini yoga as well as tips on beginning a kundalini practice this conversation gets real spiritual we talk about personal stories all three of us we're just have a nice little powwow all about kundalini so what do you say you want to get a little mystical let's dive right in and stay tuned to the end of your episode for the health tip Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're very happy because we have Sierra here with us now. Thank you so much for coming on to the show, Sierra. Hi, Sierra. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. We've really been looking forward to this because I think we've been trying for a few months now to coordinate our schedules together. And so we're so excited it has finally come to fruition. 
<laughs> yeah, with some effort, wasn't it? <laughs> it took some time, but that's all right. It's, it's all matters that we're here now. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's just dive right into your journey. Where did your yoga journey begin and how has that evolved to where you are today? Oh my goodness. So, um, what a great question. And I should have a more ready answer. Uh, I guess really when I was in college, when when I was in high school and college, I was aware of yoga and definitely did some practice on my own out of books and took some classes that really... Um, just seems sort of like your mother's stretching. Mm. <laughs> and I didn't really have, I'm ashamed to say this now, but I really didn't have respect for the practice and um, had a certain amount of machismo, I guess, mm -hmm. because it was all about running and rock climbing and being really sore and, uh, bloody fingers. And, and so yoga just didn't give me that. And then I was in California, uh, visiting a friend and it was probably like 1990, 1991 around there. And I went to a class with her. I was kind of making fun of her. <laughs> and, uh, it was Sarah Powers. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. No, I, I so. have not. She's amazing. She's very, she's back then she was, you know, little more out of her teens like me. Um, and you know, wasn't well known. And now she's very yin yoga and, um, her Buddhism plays a really big role in everything she does. But back then she was power yoga. And so we did this class with her and the next morning, I couldn't move. I didn't even think I was going to be able to catch my plane. <laughs> and oh, that, man. Yeah, I know. And that was exactly really what I needed to mm. become interested in yoga. So at the time, I was going to the University of Maryland, and I was working at Greenpeace. And so I was right in D.C., and as soon as I got back, I started really going to as many classes as I could, trying to replicate the experience I have with Sarah, which I was never able to do. But on that journey, I stumbled into this ashram, uh, a Himsa ashram, and it was Kundalini Yoga, and it was like, oh, my word, rocket fuel. <laughs> yep. Yep. So you've done Kundalini. It's our favorite form of yoga, I would say. I would say for me, it's Kundalini and Yin are the two of mm -hmm. my uh, my favorites. If I'm going to have a go-to, it's either one of those two. You know, it's interesting though, Sierra, hearing your journey, it sounds so similar to many of us here in United States where, you know, yoga kind of, we kind of brush it off our shoulders if we're looking for something more intense because we don't think that yoga has intensity to it, judging by what we see, you know, or 
really what the societal expectation of it is. And then when you try it, you start to feel this, this intensity, particularly in power yoga. But I found like for myself in particular, in the beginning of my yoga journey, I did it to get fit, right? So I was doing like the vinyasa and the, the power yoga and just intense stuff that was keeping my body moving. But then it sounds like the same thing happened to you that overall, throughout the journey, you started to find this more spiritual nature to it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I really consider myself a yoga universalist, mm-hmm. uh, meaning, you know, I really do love all the yogic paths. Um, so I'm, I'm not here to have anybody drink the kundalini kool-aid <laughs> per se but uh really kundalini it's like the yoga of my heart it's the one that i do every single day and and you're right so many of us come to yoga looking for exercise mm-hmm. you know and that's so reasonable we only have so much time each day to devote to you know our physical temple and our well-being and so yoga sounds good and if it can be my exercise too great mm-hmm. but um you know as as you found out it's just so much more mm-hmm. yeah it sure is and it's something that i think a lot of people you know, as you said, come to it for this workout, but, you know, as yoga is meant to do is bring you inward and within yourself and to examine everything uh, within yourself. And I think... And life. And life in general. And and Kundalini really does that best. Which actually leads me into the next um, question. You know, when we were scouring through your website, I really loved the quote that you have on your front page. And I'm going to read that quote to our listeners. It says, true yoga is not about the shape of your body, but the shape of your life. Yoga is not to be performed. Yoga is to be lived. Yoga doesn't care about what you have been. Yoga cares about the person you are becoming. And yoga is designed for a vast and profound purpose. And for it to be truly called yoga, its essence must be embodied. And... I would like to hear from you, Sierra. Could you elaborate on what that quote really means to you? Oh, yeah, because to me, that, that sums up really why we practice yoga. Um, you know, we don't practice yoga so we can look good in our leggings. We... <laughs> Don't, but so many people do, right? And we don't practice yoga. Uh, it's not meant to be this separate little practice. You know, the eight limbs give us guidance for everything, our entire conduct with the world, with the earth, with each other, our moral compass. And it's one thing to read all those things and recite them. But really what it's all about is living your practice. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, I see people, teachers and students all the time who they haven't taken that next step yet. 
there, you know, where's the kindness? Where's the love? Where's the service? You know, let's, let's make our personal practice of yoga, something that everyone benefits from. Mm. I love that. I like that's beautiful. So I know some of the listeners may know what kundalini is, some may not. Um, And so can you explain a little bit about what kundalini is and then the difference between kundalini yoga and some other forms of yoga? Yeah, I'll do my best. (laughs) Take your time. Okay, so the word yoga, you know, just yoga in general, it's very seldom do we even really stop to think what the word means, but it comes from the biblical word yoke, and that word came from the Sanskrit word jagat. And uh, both jagat and yoke mean to unite, to join together. And um, the yoga mainstream would say, you know, in answer to the question, what are we uniting? They would say body, mind, and soul, which is a great answer. Um, Yoga is this quest for feeling cohesion within ourselves. Um, But my teacher, Yogi Bhajan, would articulate this just a little bit differently. He would say that yoga is the union of the individual's unit consciousness with the infinite consciousness. Mm. Isn't that great? Mm -hmm. That a Ultimately, a yogi is someone who has learned to totally lean on the supreme consciousness. And uh, so yoga is really a technology. And kundalini yoga is this epic, amazing, profound technology. If yoga is a technology, I feel like kundalini is uh, yoga (laughs) (laughs) 3.0. Yeah, because in kundalini, it's, as you both know, from enjoying the practice yourselves, a lot of yogas put the emphasis on the outward, on sort of the outer alignment, the outer experience, But in Kundalini, it's so much about the inward. We harness the mental, the physical, the nervous energies of the body and put them under the domain of the will, which should be the instrument of the soul. And Kundalini precisely and consciously combines breath, mudra, the gaze, mantra, the locks and postures to balance the glandular system, strengthen the nervous system, expand the lung capacity, and purify the blood. Get some breath of fire in there. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, total blood purification. And kundalini is really a science of angles and triangles. And Different body angles have unique physical and energetic effects on our body. So, for example, you know, you go to Kundalini, it's like the arms go up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the arms go up. They stay up. I was about to say they around. stay up for a long time sometimes. <laughs> I know. It's so great watching people for the first time in Kundalini. Like, what the heck? But, um... Well, for example, having our arms at 60 degrees, 
it increases the lung capacity, it opens up the heart meridian, and um, maybe not in that precise moment, but eventually it triggers just the flow of compassion. Mm. And it's the same with all the angles. They have very precise um very precise correlations and outcomes that are well known. <clears throat> Kundalini is, um, you know, everybody has Kundalini. Kundalini is just the name of this practice we're talking about. But Kundalini in general is this energy that every human has. And it's coiled at the base of our spine, mostly dormant. And um, it's all about getting the kundalini to unfurl and come up the spine. And that's when we have that incredible clarity, that big picture. You know, we feel peaceful. We're able to operate from our highest caliber of being. Mm. Yeah. And I know for some people that may have tried it, that the Kundalini awakening um, after practicing it for some time can be quite intense. And so going into the practice to be mindful of the changes that may happen in the in the body, mind, and spirit throughout the practice. Yeah, actually, Sierra, could you go into some detail about some of the, the shifts people might experience when they start their practice and how it may evolve? I know everybody's different, but... Yeah, everybody is different. Um, you know, think about, I love just even that first moment, the first time you do Kundalini before you even practice, you know, you tune in and you tune in with the Adi Mantra, Aung Namo Gurudev Namo. And you're saying, I bow to the subtle divine wisdom I bow to the teacher within. So this, right in the very first moment, you're setting this space, you're synchronizing your cellular and energetic system to a particular frequency. And the sound code of the Adi Mantra activates our neurology in a certain way. You know, all mantra does that. Mm. And um, this mantra links us to our wisdom and to the collective wisdom. And so already you're elevating, you're signaling to the universe, you know, I, I want to lift my consciousness, I want to increase my vibration. And so then you do the practice. And um, I have witnessed and experienced myself that when you do the practice, it's kind of effortless the way everything else in your life falls falls together. You want to eat better. You want to take care of your physical body. You want to be around other people who are making these efforts, um, bad habits, start to fall away yeah that's I love hearing you say that because I'm reflecting back on Christopher and I's journey with Kundalini and it definitely 
preceded our intense journey of wellness. And I mean, when we first met, you know, we were definitely wanting to grow together. And we were questioning things about life, having met in Africa, and we were just really digging deep into ourselves. But that's when we started practicing Kundalini was while we were still living in Tanzania. And Christopher had a video by Maya Fines. I think that's how you say her last name. (laughs) That is how you say it. (laughs) Yeah. And Christopher was, he wasn't really into yoga when I met him, but he was curious about Kundalini. I was definitely curious about it as well. I'd heard some amazing things about it. So one day in his village, he took a bike ride somewhere to get something, some kind of food item. And I decided to do this video and I had no idea what I was getting into. I knew I'd read some about it. I'd I'd read to be prepared for life-altering, you know, experiences, whether that's immediate or afterwards over a longer duration of time. <clears throat> and I went so deep within myself in that one video, I disappeared into everything, it mm. seemed. And by the time I was done, my creative energy, it was like someone just lifted the floodgates. And I had to write. I wrote for hours. I just wrote and wrote and wrote. And all of these words just poured out of me like they were stagnant in my system for so long. And Chris comes home and I'm like, look like I'm high as a kite. Like, you've got to do <laughs> kundalini. It's amazing. I'm like, I feel so clear and just focused. And it, it, sparked our journey that mm. Maya Fine's video we should write her a letter. <laughs> yeah. Journey through you'll the have, chakras. That was the right. One. <laughs> and you'll have to have her come on and talk to you as well. She is really a lovely person. Um yeah, when I started Kundalini, uh just stumbling into that ashram and I kept going. Um you know, at that point in my life I really, even though I was super young, you know, you know how you know everything when you're young. (laughs) Uh, I really, I have my dream job. Um, You know, I loved Greenpeace. I loved being this activist and getting paid for it. And I worked on um, the forest campaign. So I did a lot of forest protection Um, domestically and globally. And yoga was just um, something, I don't know what I thought it was, like a hobby Mm -hmm. or stress release. But uh, hopefully the Kundalini police aren't listening. But I would go. (laughs) I would go to the ashram, do yoga, and then He's now my husband, but back then he was my boyfriend. He would go too. And then we'd go out to eat and we'd have a beer um, <laughs> or like a few beers. And and I would never do that now, but I was very mainstream when I started. And, um, you know, now it's just been this evolution over the years where, you know, I'm much more interested in drinking like reishi or cordyceps. Or... We should hang out. That's us too. <laughs> yeah, chaga. I mean the most. Yeah, we got. Chaga. I just had my chaga. Actually, I just finished it a little while ago. <laughs> right. It's like, why would you want to drink alcohol and kill brain cells? Mm-hmm. You know. So, um, yeah, it's just it's been this amazing evolution and. 
you know, you think about it. Uh, I heard one teacher describe Kundalini as this process of biofeedback, mm-hmm. you know, like the signal is sent out, hey, I'm ready for a deeper resonance for enhancing my current state of consciousness and beingness. And that sounds so new. Um, but this is this ancient, powerful knowledge, Mm -hmm. you know, contrast it with like physics. How long is the field of physics known that everything operates on vibrational resonance and frequency? Mm -hmm. Like in the big picture, not that long, right? But the yogis have been saying this for thousands of years. You know, they've been saying if we have a heightened vibrational experience internally and we hold that you know we continue to generate that Mm. and it's external too that's that's how we change the world with our practice i love that that's so it's so true and so powerful and that you know we all are a collective whole and so if we all are vibrating at higher levels of consciousness and that uh, reverberates out to the whole and ultimately will start to shift the the collective consciousness and it's interesting you mentioned that because i was going to bring it up before but correct me if i'm wrong that yogi bhajan brought the practice of kundalini to the united states only in the 1960s because it was so sacred and that um it wasn't introduced to the west until again until the 60s so before that it was it was a very sacred practice in the east is that correct That is correct. Um, Not only was it sacred, uh, it was really very um, somewhat secretive, very, Mm -hmm. you know, there weren't classes, it wasn't advertised, it was very teacher to student student lineage. And um, he brought it over here because of what was happening in the 60s. You know, he saw the youth of America, um, he saw like the drugs and the concerts and the communes and experimenting with sexual freedom. He saw all of that as a really deep desire to um, get answers to the universal questions, to um connect with infinity, you know, to go to the next level. And, and he felt like, I mean, let's face it, like, drugs are not sustainable. Mm -hmm. All yeah, all these avenues of exploration that we had back in those days, um, were simply unsustainable. And he felt like, you know, if I bring them Kundalini yoga, that's sustainable. They can answer all these questions and more. I love that because it does, it is reflective of the disconnection we have in our society. And while some of those avenues may open doors, you're right. It doesn't keep going. It doesn't perpetuate that yearning, or I guess it doesn't perpetuate the ability to receive answers. You know, it's like you have to constantly trigger yourself into an experience to get an answer and it's not sustainable and so kundalini you know all of these experiences that people are having through the practices you mentioned earlier it you can have that with kundalini you can have all of that and more yeah yeah it's 
It's amazing. I'm, and I'm equally amazed that everybody doesn't do it yet. <laughs> I know, right? We've been talking about it uh, for you know the short time we've done it for a few years now, and a lot of people don't even know what it is. And so I'm curious, you being a, a Kundalini teacher, um, how how do you see this spreading? Is it something that is becoming a little bit more well known as the years pass, or is it something that's still kind of on Taboo. in the underground? It's kind of funny because every single year I, someone will send me an article or a link or something. And basically the gist is like, this is the year Kundalini yoga is going to go big. (laughs) And, uh, every year I'm like, cool. And, and, and it is really growing. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely yoga in general has just exploded, and um, Kundalini has really, really grown a lot as well. And it's it's all about the experience. If you're you know how freaking weird Kundalini can be <laughs> sometimes, and if that's going to stop you then, you know, you're not going to get to the next level. But, you know, I always tell people, okay, so Kundalini isn't normal, but what is normal? Mm-hmm. Like normal, right? Yeah, I know. Look around you. Normal is not working. Mm-mm. Like best case scenario for normal is you have a job, you come home, maybe you watch a little TV, have a cocktail it's like, really? I, I would rather wave my arms around in the air and, and chant and uh, Hell just go yes. wild. Yeah. Some of the, I, Chris and I laugh a lot because we're always like, if, if people near us hear what we're doing when we're practicing Kundalini, they're probably like, what the hell is going or on? Or just there? hear us in general, our conversations. I mean, we are not of the norm. We're just going to flat out say that. We are weird O's. But you know what? We embrace it and we love it. And our lives have been so enriched and i love now that we've traced it back to kundalini it really has yeah. been it's the root uh, i gotta say you two are just so radiant and beautiful and shiny so again if if that's outside of the norm let's all go there <laughs> well, thank you so much so sierra on the internet i know if someone types in kundalini yoga or kundalini in general there are some articles uh speaking from what might be perceived as a fear fear-based approach to certain reactions people might have um, even some intimidation a little bit what are your thoughts on all that you know i think i think we've come a long way um and i think that is less and less but what you're talking about is is very real um you know i mentioned i started in the ashram and I was able to study directly with Yogi Bhajan many times. I know he was, he was incredible. He was, there aren't even words for what he was. He was certainly a living master and I'm sure that his greatness is really beyond my comprehension. But, um, he, you know, he told me that I needed to quit my job and bring Kundalini to Asheville. Mm. 
<laughs> and I was kind of like, huh, because that was not my plan. Mm -hmm. And I always visualize going west and just working on forest issues forever. So it took me a little while to do to actually do that. I clearly did. But, um, you know, back then there wasn't even a teacher training program. So when I finally decided to, to do what my teacher was asking me to do, I literally had a few books and, um, was living in, in our truck with still my boyfriend, not yet my husband. And uh, I, you know, we came to Asheville and I went into the only studio in town and it was an Iyengar studio. And at that point in time, I was actually covering my head all the time. Uh, wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a beautiful turban. It was just sort of this hippie do-rag thing on my head living in a truck and I bounce into the Iyengar studio, I'm here to share Kundalini. <laughs> and the studio owner looked me up and down and she was like, well, if you get better clothes, you can be the receptionist. And, <laughs> and that's how we, I started my relationship with her and very real fear of the intensity of Kundalini. And exactly like you're talking about, she had read all kinds of things about people having psychosis and breakdowns and falling over. And you can imagine as a studio owner, she's like, what kind of liability is this? Mm. But um, I just told her that's, you know, that's not the kind of Kundalini yoga that Yogi Bhajan brought to share um, at all. That you know, Kundalini Yoga, as Yogi Bhajan has delivered the teachings, are a way of reaching your highest caliber, mm -hmm. not breaking yourself. Mm. I love that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What would you say about, do you think there's ever a scenario where someone moves so much energy rising before they're quite able to sustain that? or house it fully? Yeah, I, that can happen. But um, generally, you know, your kundalini can come up, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be kundalini yoga, people have kundalini uh, rising frequently, and, and it doesn't have anything to do with yoga. And so what happens is if the kundalini comes up and it is in a body that can't handle it, a body that is malnourished or drug addicted, or there was some kind of psychological imbalance already, then of course there's going to be problems. And I've actually had students who... They are my students now because they had their kundalini come up and they had no yoga practice. Mm. So practicing, practicing the yoga intelligently is what um, makes having that energy 
arisen manageable Mm -hmm. and safe and beneficial. You know, one of my favorite books uh, on Kundalini is, is actually not by a yogi. It's not a yogic text. And here I am bringing it up on a podcast and I can't remember the name or the author, but, um, it was, a it was a priest, um, or a minister of the Christian faith and, um, he, his Kundalini rose spontaneously as a result of his evening contemplations. Wow. And I know, and so he didn't know any, like, he just started researching his experience and his symptoms, and then he discovered it was Kundalini. And so because it's written so far out of that perspective of yoga, it's just an amazing book. That almost sounds like Richard Rohr. Hmm. Yeah, I shouldn't have brought the book up without remembering <laughs> the title and the author. I'm sorry. Well, Maybe if you, we if can you fi- yeah, if you find it, just let us know. We'll put it in the show notes for people to, mm-hmm. to check out. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, I'll look for it. <laughs> well, thank you for clarifying that because I think that's important because I know a lot of people rely on Google for their information. And so it's good to have other perspectives. I do have – I'm curious about something. So, um, you know – as Kundalini is obviously getting more popular, there's going to be more teachers sprouting up. But what are who are some of your favorite teachers that um, are besides out there yourself. besides <laughs> yourself, obviously? Oh, there's so, so many good teachers. Um, Yogi Bhajan, of course, passed away in 2004. Um, but he told us as he as you know, he knew his death was on the way a number of years before he died. And he used to say that he would always, he would actually be more accessible once he passed through his subtle body. Mm. And sometimes when I'm able to get over my own just sheer missing my teacher, I I found that to be true. He is so super accessible in his um, subtle body. So for everybody, uh, he's still out there as a teacher. And then other teachers I I really like a lot are um, Nir Bear Singh is a wonderful teacher, and he's located in Espanola. He has a number of books and um, is very, you know, works to transmit the lectures and the teachings into accessible books and sequences and resources. Um, I love uh, Hari Kiran Carr. She's up in Massachusetts and she does a lot of work with yoga and art and youth and, um, who else? I mean, I love so many teachers. It's a matter <laughs> of thinking of their names. Sure. Yeah, Krishna Kar um, is really an inspiration. She's a great teacher, so dynamic. Gurmukh, um, I love Gurmukh Kar 
passionately. I went to India with her and studied with her. And, you know, the great thing about Kermook is I think, you know, she's in her late 70s. She looks like she's in her 50s. She does. (laughs) Doesn't she? And she is so vital and so radiant. She's kind of sassy, too. (laughs) Oh, she is totally sassy. She's very mischievous, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, and then the bonus of studying with her is her husband, um, Guru Shabbat Singh, he is a great teacher. And the only way to get to him is by studying with her. So they're just this power set. And then Guru Singh, I've always really loved Guru Singh's teachings. Yeah. I could keep going. We could spend an hour naming great teachers. Well, I appreciate that. And some, you know, people can look you up if they're in, in the Asheville area. And then that's so the reason I asked is because there's a lot of people out there in different areas and mm-hmm. people can access people online as well. So it's always good yeah. to have other resources. Yeah. So what advice do you have for our listeners who may be interested in exploring the Kundalini practice? Oh, don't wait. <laughs> Get yes. out there. I definitely think, you know, I th- I think that you can practice with a video. Um, I would caution I would caution being new to Kundalini and just practicing out of a book. Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know, I admit that I did that a lot when I was young and the results were not always um, that I didn't always get good outcomes. So I think it's a practice where it's really important to begin with a teacher. And, um, you know, I think that you know your teacher when you feel inspired and elevated and not everybody, not every teacher is meant for every person. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So it's the voice that, that you hear, um, really hear rather than, Oh, that was a interesting experience. It's the voice that, you know, whatever conduit for the teachings, no matter who it is, it's it's going to activate you and you're going to find yourself wanting to do more yoga and wanting to apply the technology to your life in other ways as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's great advice. And I know that some people may not have access to a Kundalini teacher, depending upon where they are. Um, but, you know, we found that even on Gaia, it has subscribing to Gaia, there's some really um, awesome teachers through Gaia oh, yeah. Network. And um, so those are great videos on there that we've fouled and mm-hmm. yeah, really enjoyed. Yeah. And I'd love to give a shout out for Yoga International. Um, I always had a crush on Yoga International, even back in the day, because they always covered all the yogas, mm-hmm. whereas, um, well, I won't name names, but there, <laughs> there are other big purveyors of yoga that it's very much about the celebrity yoga. Mm. And um, so I have videos on Yoga International. So Really? 
Yeah, come practice with oh, me on Yoga International. Yeah. <laughs> we will be there. And you know what? We're we're still in Charlotte. We're moving in a few months, but we may even swing over to Asheville because we just love Asheville so much and take a class by you in person. I would love that. So where can our listeners keep up with you and follow you on your journey and perhaps if they're in the Asheville area, even join you? Well, uh, they could start by going to my website and that if you were just to Google Sun Lotus Kundalini or Sierra Hollister, uh, I would come up. But the actual address is www.sunlotusyoga.com. And that has the classes that I teach that are open to the public. So Asheville Yoga Center and um, West Asheville Yoga Center. And I also participate in the summer. We have a great festival here, Asheville Yoga Festival, which is an offering of, of just great local teachers as well as um, nationally renowned teachers. It's a great little festival. And, um, then the rest of my classes, you know, I, I volunteer in the prison system and, um, I teach in a college. So those, those classes wouldn't work. That's incredible. Well, that's a really amazing work. And, just very inspiring and very we're very happy to have connected with you and be able to share this conversation and and your wisdom that you've brought to the table Mm, well i'm so glad you two are just out there uh helping everyone to make the connections to each other and shining a light on just new and great things that are happening Well, thank you so much for all that you do, Sierra, and thank you for coming on to our show. Aw, thanks for having me. Oh, what a wonderful space to share. Thank you, Sierra, for all of that you do. Yes, so lovely. Lovely soul, lovely human being. Glad to have crossed paths. So now it's time for your health tip of the episode, and we thought how appropriate to make it related to kundalini, the energy that Sierra referenced that's coiled at the root chakra of our being, this energy that we all have that we are working towards rising to reach self-actualization. And we're going to talk about 10 foods to raise your kundalini energy. And now we're going to get into this in a little bit of detail, but we do want to note that any foods that fruits and vegetables, they're all high vibrational foods, so they will help to raise that energy quicker Mm -hmm. than more dense foods. Absolutely. And the source that we pulled this from is from Anna Brett Ravi Singh from www.raviana.com. She provided a wonderful blog post about kundalini yoga and 10 foods to raise your kundalini. So she included a quote by Yogi Bhajan, whom Sierra trained under. What a brilliant man. And he said, any food you eat, which grows in the ground, will give you grit. Foods from the ground to about three feet will give you health and vitality, like physical strength and physical nourishment. Food which grows three feet to 11 feet from the earth will give you deep nourishment. Foods above 11 feet, instant energy. 
I thought that was really brilliant because yeah, it's it gets perfect. into the energetics of the food and what it stands for, its properties, and how it thrives and survives in our human experience. And how it mixes synergistically with our energy fields and that we're called to different foods at different times for different reasons, right? Mm -hmm. And by really being intuitive with your body and what it needs at that time, you can really maximize that to your uh, benefit. Absolutely. So we will read off to you the top 10 foods she recommends for giving that kundalini energy a boost. Number one, banyan tree sap. She recommends using about a teaspoon per day. It's some of somewhat of a sticky, sweet sap, almost like honey. Black garbanzos, which are a cousin of your familiar garbanzo beans, chickpeas. The holy trinity, onions, garlic, and ginger. Very present in a lot of Indian foods, Asian foods like Thai foods as well. And teas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got pineapple. We love pineapple. We eat pineapple almost every day. Love pineapple. Saffron is another one, which Chris uses it often in herbal tinctures. We have diamond dust. I must admit, I do not, I am not familiar with diamond dust. But apparently, you can take it daily, and it's like a herb. It says to please consult a qualified Ayurvedic practitioner for the proper guidelines regarding this potent mixture. We also have pistachios. Oh, my God. I love pistachios. So friggin' good. They're so good. She even includes a beautiful green goddess pistachio mint shake. So head on over to this website to get that recipe. Gold leaf is another one that's going to help rise the kundalini as well as celery juice. Yes, check out my video on celery juice, the benefits of celery juice on YouTube. It's uh, very short, sweet, and to the point, but I drink it every single day, and it has done wonders for me. And last but not least, I was kind of surprised, romaine lettuce. So romaine lettuce is often that food we take for granted, but it's actually a superfood. And you got to get your greens in. Why not choose romaine? There we go. Perfect. So there's your health tip of the episode. We're looking forward to speaking with you again soon. Have a beautiful day.